0: Ontario's COVID numbers have not been looking great the past few days, and unfortunately today the province recording a two-week high in new cases. Health officials reporting 441 new cases here in Ontario. Dr. Samantha Hill is president of the Ontario Medical Association and joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Hill, good afternoon. Really appreciate you being here.
1: afternoon thanks so much for making the time to have me
0: all right 441 the number all week long has been above or around 400 all week in the province is this a blip or do you think that this is the beginning of a troubling trend or do we just not know yet
1: we just don't know yet is the frank answer to that i'd love to be able to give you a short this is absolutely okay um but you know what the numbers are tomorrow and the day after that or what's going to tell us whether we're trending in a better direction or in a worse direction
0: How many days makes a trend? Is there an official explanation for that?
1: I don't think there is an absolute number. It's about looking at the curves and how they change over time. But I'd say if we have a full week of trending upwards, I think everyone would agree that that's probably bad news.
0: Okay, because the test results we know are a couple of weeks behind, I know some are pointing to a Mother's Day where some people took that opportunity to break the rules and go see mom. Is that a possible explanation for why we've seen uh, this troubling trend?
1: It is a possible explanation, but you have to really consider what the data means and what it does and doesn't say. What we know is only about who is being tested. And as testing has increased, we're going to see more positives. We know that simply because we're going to capture more of the people who are positive. Um, What we do also know is that We don't know the source for the majority of the new cases, and that's the part that, to me, is really concerning about this. It takes back to the five pillars that the OMA has put out, looking at the public health pillars, and we really need to up our contact tracing so that we can figure out where things are coming from. That's how you shut down an epidemic, is you stop transmission from one person to the next.
0: Okay, you mentioned contact tracing, and I was going to bring that up because it's back in the news today. I want to play for you. Here's the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, earlier today talking about the need for contact tracing. Let's listen. While provinces and territories are managing testing and contact tracing differently, our government has trained federal employees who can make 3,600 contact tracing calls a day, seven days a week. Statistics Canada has also an additional 1,700 interviewers ready to go who can make up to 20,000 calls a day. These federal resources are available to assist provinces and territories with any surges or backlogs or challenges they have in contact tracing. We're already helping to make calls in Ontario and stand ready to help anywhere else. Okay, again that's the Prime Minister earlier today. Uh, Doctor, contact tracing is somewhat concerning for privacy advocates, but just how important is it to health officials?
1: Absolutely essential. You can't overstate the importance of contact tracing. So what we know about COVID-19 is that prior to you becoming sick, you can be infectious. And that means that in order to shut that circle down, to order to stop transmission, we need to be able to catch people while they're still asymptomatic. And the only way to do that is through contact tracing or widespread testing.
0: Okay, we know contact tracing has been put in place on a voluntary basis in Alberta. Are you okay with it being voluntary, or do you think that's something that has to be mandatory?
1: I think that's a really hard question. We live in a society that values it liberties and its freedoms. And it's one of the things that makes us so different from other places that have managed to plank the curve, like Taiwan or South Korea. But what I do know is that Canadians and Ontarians really come together during this, and they've done the right thing. When we asked them to stay home, they stayed home. When we asked them to wash their hands compulsively, they washed their hands until they needed hand lotion. When we asked them to not go to work and not earn an income to save their neighbours and their neighbors' grandparents, they did it. And so to some degree, I think being Canadian, we can rely on each other all abiding by that social construct where we take care of each other.
0: Would that same reasoning apply to random testing? Because we're hearing more and more about that as well. It was just brought up in the Premier's press conference. He was asked about it, that random testing is being put in place in Windsor, Ontario. And as well, uh, the Premier uh, made commitments that it's going to start in long-term care facilities, which, of course, uh, has just been so badly hit and uh, hurt by the COVID pandemic.
1: Yeah, it's been absolutely devastating what's happened in the long-term care facilities. And it's actually a really important topic because we do need to do a better job as we reopen at protecting all of the vulnerable populations, long-term care centers, but also children who are at risk for that new vasculitis and everyone else who lives in an enabled living environment or an assisted living environment, people who live in close crowds. When we get to doing the contact, when we get to doing the uh, the testing and the swabbing, what we need to understand is that swabbing only tells us where the virus is, and it's an important key part of the information. But we still don't have the science to give us the blood test that will show us who has immunity and who's already had the vaccine. And that's when we're really going to see a pivot. We're going to see a difference in how we can adapt policy locally, because we'll know who in the community has already become immune. Kind of like having a vaccine, but until we get the vaccine, it'll be the second.
0: joined by dr samantha hill president of the ontario medical association i want to ask you as well dr hill about the testing levels here in the province consistently below the targets and do we have a handle on what the problem is there i mean is it the testing is it people's people just don't want to be tested or is the problem maybe the targets that they're just too high
1: I don't think we can say that the targets are too high. I'd love for that to be the answer, but I don't think we can say that because we can't identify where so many of these cases are coming from. So I think our targets are probably right where they need to be. So why aren't we hitting our targets? That's going to be multifactorial. It's going to be partially about people not coming in for testing. It's going to be people getting potentially bad advice from their neighbors or from misunderstanding the advice that's out there. If I could give everyone one piece of advice that doctors are still open for business, call your family doctor, tell them how you're feeling, and they'll advise you whether or not you need to go get the testing.
0: Is that part of the problem? A lot of people believe in maybe it's a communications problem and a miscommunication about testing, because I think a lot of folks believe it's really hard, difficult, almost impossible to get tested unless you pretty much are symptomatic and you already know yourself you've probably got coronavirus.
1: I do think that's the case, and I think even some of the people who feel that they know that they have coronavirus don't go get tested because they know that they have it, and so they don't see the value in going to get it. What people are forgetting is that that data will help uh, guide us in the reopening. It'll help guide us in that horrible decision that we're going to have to make soon about whether or not we shut down again, and it'll help guide us in how we reopen further. It's really key to do this safely and efficiently. We need to find a way forward together.
0: All right. You mentioned perhaps uh, going backward instead of forward if we have to shut down again, and I think the great unknown there, doctor, is just how many cases are too many? And does the government need to be more forthcoming with us all when it comes to what that number is and let us know what the threshold is when it comes to a possible rollback?
1: So, I don't think that the government is being deliberately um, avoidant of that information. I don't know that there is a single number that's going to make or break us in any way or form. It's all about trends, as we said at the beginning of the interview. And it's all about communication. So yes, communication is the pivot stone of everything. The reason we've done so well is because of the communication that's come out of public health and that's come out of the government, and we're going to have to keep doing that. If we do need to roll back, it's going to have to be very clear as to why we're rolling back and what we are rolling back to, and if we don't roll back, we're going to need to be even clearer about the fact that there are still a lot of rules in place. It's not a question of everything going back to normal. There is no going back to that normal, not for probably at least a year.
0: Yeah, but is there a concern when it comes to community transmission that perhaps we've reopened too soon, that uh, people are not respecting physical distancing, In stores are open, of course, and I know they're all trying to abide by the rules and this new normal as best as they can for the most part, but is there a, a concern there that uh, the numbers are at 400 uh, this week but could jump, uh, because, again, the testing lags uh, by a couple of weeks, that, you know, who knows, it could be five, 600 a day?
1: Absolutely, there's a concern. We're not seeing the testing today that reflects what happened this week. We're seeing the testing today that reflects what happened a week ago or two weeks ago even. Um, We've all been out this beautiful weekend, I hope. We all got some sun. And I don't know, I saw groups of people wandering around who I don't think lived together, and none of them were wearing masks, and they certainly weren't two feet apart. And it is concerning. I think we need to be very clear about the messaging to everyone that – Things are getting better, but you still need to keep that distance. You still need to stay socially bubbled. You still need to wash your hands. And, yes, please wear a mask because my mask protects you. Your mask protects me. If I have it, I don't want to give it to you. And I'm sure you feel the same way. So let's try and protect each other. And come together on that. Yeah,
0: it's a great message, but do you think that many people are just flat out fatigued after a couple of months of this, and do you think these are numbers, again, in and around 400 uh, for the week of new cases in the province is proof that people are fatigued and perhaps have let their guard down and are not following these rules you mentioned?
1: I don't think we need a proof that people are fatigued. I think we know that they are. They're mentally exhausted. They are isolated. They are alone. They are scared. They are financially at risk despite all of the best intentions of the various governments they you know some of them have lost family members and you can't be with your family member when they're dying it's been a terrible time for us all and that is I think part of the pressure towards the government to try and get reopened to try and get back to something that is not just fiscally more stable but mentally more stable we know that we're going to have a mental health crisis coming out of this it's it's expected it's not unexpected So are people tired? Absolutely. But this isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And so we all need to sort of take a deep breath, realize how far we've come, how well we've done, and keep going in that direction.
0: Just finally, can I ask you, and that's a good point you uh, raise about this, not only being a concern physically, but mentally, on our mental health, and, of course, uh, economically, it's such a balance we're trying to strike here uh, right now. As we sit right now on this Friday afternoon as president of the Ontario Medical Association, just how concerned are you where we are at in the province right now?
1: Well, I'm pretty concerned right now. I think that as we reopen and as the probable second wave of COVID comes in and as the influenza wave comes in and as the backlog of health care that we have deferred for the last eight to 10 weeks to make room for that surge from the COVID cases, we also have a local community healthcare infrastructure that is struggling. They haven't been paid because there hasn't been services coming in and so when people don't come in the majority of physicians don't make any money but they still have to pay all of their overhead and I know too many physicians who've been pulling money out of their personal savings to try and keep clinics afloat and you can do that for a little while maybe one month maybe two months but at some point you just can't do that anymore and as all of this care and this backlog comes at us I'm worried about what happens if we lose that community infrastructure that offloads the hospitals. The hospitals just don't have the capacity to do it all on their own.
0: Listen, a sobering conversation, but a necessary one. Dr. Hill, you spent a good chunk of time here with us this afternoon. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for your time and for helping me get the messages out.
0: You bet. Dr. Samantha Hill is president of the Ontario Medical Association.